I'm beginning a new series today called GPS, Navigating Life. Now, here's what I found about so many of us in our life, and that is, is that we have a tendency not to listen to directions. How many men will admit that you don't listen to directions very well? How many of you have ever argued with a GPS? Right? A while back I was in Memphis and, and uh, I kind of knew where I was going, but I didn't really know where I was going, so I entered in where I wanted to go and it kept telling me where to go and I didn't like where it told me where to go. And so when it would tell me what to do, I would go the way I wanted to go. And, and there was just this irritating voice that would come back at me and go, recalculating. <laughs> and, and I didn't appreciate it and uh, I got lost. And a lot of times that's what happens in life is because when we, when we look at Scripture, the Word of God gives us the direction for life. It talks to us about how that we are to live and how we are to conduct our lives. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking in Scripture on how that we need to navigate life on an ongoing basis and on a daily basis. So I'm going to ask you today, take your Bibles and go to the book of Romans, the 12th chapter. And as you're going there, let me say hello to our campuses today. My name is Eddie Couples. I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Ministries, and I'm glad you're with us today. I'm thankful for what God is doing and has already done even in the service there today, and we're believing for great things as we go into the Word of God. Now, the book of Revelation is the 12th chapter. Beginning in verse 1, I want to read a couple of verses to you out of the New International Version of the Bible. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy... To offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world or to the culture of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, His pleasing, and His perfect will. Now, I'm going to be talking to us a little bit about culture over the next few weeks. And, and so I want to give you a definition of what culture is. And, and if you just listen to this, here's what culture is. Here's the definition. Culture is defined by what we think and how we believe in relation to the world, God, family, sexuality, work, and leisure. That's what culture is. Now, I think all of us would have to be honest to say today that American culture has changed greatly in the past 25 years. I, I mean, there, I don't think anybody has to lead you by the hand to show you that our culture is different than it was just a few short years ago. Some of that may be good, but most of it, from what I see, especially in the arena of morality and ethics, uh, are not good things that are happening in our nation. And yet, here's what's interesting to me, is God is not really concerned with our culture. God is concerned with His Word. And so God shows us how that you and I are to live out life and how to live it, He said, more abundantly. And so He's given that to us. But today, I kind of want to look at, uh, in the first few minutes with you, I want to look at four things that our culture tells us. And, and as it talks to us, it, it gives us direction in, in how we are to live. And yet, the Word of God stands in, in a total antithesis to what our culture tells us to do. 
And so we have to choose. See, I want to help you today. Every day of your life, you choose whether or not you are going to do what God wants you to do or you are going to do what culture wants you to do. It's, it's really pretty simple. It's I'm going to follow the dictates of the, law, of the Lord and what He says, or I'm going to do what I want to do. And so as we look at it, our culture continually tells us some things. The first thing our culture tells us is, number one is this, is it says live for this world. L- live for right now. Live, live for the moment. You know, that's, that's what most of, have you noticed in the past five to ten years that a lot of television now has become reality series, right? And most reality series is about living for the moment. Now, now there's a few out there that might have a, you know, a halfway, uh, you know, the Beards guy, they might give you a little direction in life, Duck Dynasty, but, but uh, mo- most, most reality shows are about living for the moment. It's about right now, what am I doing? And so who am I listening to? Who are the voices that are speaking? Especially when you begin to look at reality shows that deal with fame and fortune or that deal with younger generations. It's all about who you slept with last and what you drank last and what you smoked last and what you did. Not realizing that there is something more than this world. I want to tell you, God's Word says to us that we're not living for this world. It, it, let me just read it to you. First John, the second chapter, beginning in verse 15, says this. Do not love the world. It's talking about the system. It's not talking about the earth. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of the eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does. You know anybody like that? comes not from the Father, but comes from the world. In other words, we have a tendency to live for the moment. We're living for the world. We're living uh, day in and day out in this. Uh, And and so the Bible goes on to say there, the world and its desires pass away. But the man who does the will of God lives forever. See, what, what are you going to choose? Are you going to give yourself to the moment to, to the pleasing of yourself in, in a, you know, a fleeting moment, a fleeting time? Or are you going to choose to live the life that Jesus Christ has called you to? It's, it's the decision that we have to make. It's, we have to be willing to, to lay down what we desire so that we can pick up and do what God has called us to do. That's number one. Number two is this. The world says to us, whoever dies with the most toys wins. Ever heard that? Here's my statement to you. Whoever dies with the most toys is still dead. I have been to a lot of funerals, and I have never seen a U-Haul following the funeral procession. When you die, you leave it all. And yet, we spend so much time, we spend so much effort. In fact, we spend the majority of our life trying to accrue things to ourselves, trying to bring things to ourselves. And, and listen, there's nothing wrong in having things. That's fine. It's okay to have things. It's the problem when things have you. 
When you can't release things, when you can't let them go, when you, when you haven't come to that place where you understand that you are not living for this world, but you are living for what the kingdom of God has. The book of Matthew, the sixth chapter, here's what Jesus said about it. Verse 25, he says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Would you just look at your neighbor and say, don't worry, be happy. No, come on. No, come on, that's, that's good theology right there. I'm not going to start singing for you, but you, you've got you've to understand, God said don't worry about the stuff of this life. Don't worry about what you've got. In fact, he goes on to say what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food? I know some of you don't think so right now because you're already planning on where you're going and what you're going to eat when church is over. And he says, and the body more important than clothes. Then he goes on to say, look at the birds of the air. Look, look at the flying creatures of the air. They don't sow, they don't reap or stow away in barns. And yet, your heavenly Father feeds them. Now look at that last statement. Are you not much more valuable than they? Now let me help you. I'm going to make all the PETA people upset. I am not an animal. I am created in the image and the likeness of God. I am more valuable than a bird. I am more valuable than a giraffe. I am more valuable than a cow. Matthew tells me I am. All right? And, and what the Lord is saying to us is, is that you, you've got to come to that place where you understand that it's not about all the stuff you're getting. It is about how that you are living life and how that you are conducting your life day in and day out. The third thing that our world tells us, our culture tells us is, it's your body, do what you want to do. Wow, now I'm going to get in trouble. I mean, I've been meddling with trouble until I get to this point. Well, I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to sleep with who I want to. I'm going to put into my body what I want to. Who's, who are you to tell me what I can do with my body? Ever heard that one? It's in the politics all the time. Anytime that we start talking about abortion, and yes, I'm going to say it. Anytime we start talking about abortion, we immediately hear, who are you to tell me what I'm to do with my own body? The problem is, it's not just their own body. It's a body of another one that's inside of them. Now, now hear me. I, I'm, I'm not... I'm not angry at people who, who face this moment of, of uh, such great trial in their life and they don't know what to do. I, I'm, I'm with you. I understand. But I want you to know that the Word of God, in fact, let me just read it to you. 1 Corinthians says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price, therefore honor God with your body. See, there are all kinds of situations that we face day in and day out. There are moments where it's, it's about what I want and what I desire and what my flesh wants. And I don't know about you, but, but I, I have found through the years that there's this whole process of in our society where, where we want to tell people, you just stay away, leave me alone, don't tell me what to do. And yet the Word of God is quite clear. God says to you that you were bought with a price. You're special. You really are. You, you are special to God. God, God thinks more of, of a lot of us than we think of ourselves. 
And so our body is precious and how we treat it and, and what we do with it and, and, and the areas that we allow it to go into and the things that we allow into our body. The Word of God says, come on, people, take note. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. The fourth thing our society tells us is this. It says live for pleasure. Here's what it says. It says, TGIF. Thank God it's Friday. Party, party, party. I'm glad work is over, and now all weekend long, I'm going to party. You know, I'm going to do what I want. I, I'm going to receive what I desire. It, it's all about my pleasure. In fact, I don't think that there is a society any more driven by pleasure than America. Think about all the things that we do to make our lives more pleasurable. Now, listen, I'm, I'm not against comfort. I'm not against ease. But I want you to understand it's not about my pleasure. It's about his pleasure. It's about how am I living unto him. And, and we, we find so often, even Christians struggle with this because uh, the Apostle Paul talked about it this way, and, and I want to help some of you be set at ease today. Uh, j- just because you got saved does not mean you don't still struggle with some issues. All right? Well, if you were really saved, you wouldn't have that feeling anymore. Who lied to you? Who told you that? Who, who messed with you and said, if you really got saved, you would never think a thought like that again? I want to tell you, if some people knew my thoughts, <laughs> even sometimes when I'm preaching, it would mess their world up. Thank God for grace. Amen? See, there's, there's these aspects of our life. In fact, the Apostle Paul talked about it this way. Um, he said, there are, there are things that I don't want to do, and he said, yet those are the very things that I find myself doing. And he said, the things that I should do, I don't want to do them. And he goes on to say, he said, but there's a law that works inside of me. He said, it's the law of sin and death. But he didn't stop there, but he goes on to say, but thanks be unto God, which giveth me the victory. See, in our lives, although our lives are based on pleasure, we find ourselves a lot of times struggling to live the overcoming life that God has for us. That's why so often in our society, so many things about what we do and how we live. And over the next few weeks, I'm going to be talking about some specific aspects of life. And, and, and what I've found is, is that we, we have this center for pleasure that becomes our all-consuming passion. And we live life only for us. And yet First Peter says it this way. First Peter, the fourth chapter, verse 3 and 4 says, For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do. Now, he wasn't just talking to people, you know, 2,000 years ago. He's talking to us. He says, here's what you were doing. You were living in debauchery, living in lust, living in drunkenness, living in orgies and carousing, and detestable idolatry. He says, they think, now he's talking about the world, they think it's strange that you do not plunge with them, I love that word, that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation or the same area of lifestyle. And he says, and they heap abuse on you. Now let me say something to you. 
if you haven't lost some friends since you got saved, you might not be saved. You might still be a heathen if. <laughs> See, there, there, there has to come an understanding for all of us that the world and God are antithetical to one another. And that we have to come to that place of making a decision. And when we make a decision to truly live for God, that there are going to be some things that we lay down. And when we lay them down, the people who we used to run with, the people who we used to hang with, all of a sudden, they are not going to like hanging out with us anymore. And there's a great reason, and that is this, is that when light penetrates darkness, it shows evil. See, it's not that you walk in with a 20-pound Bible and start telling them they're going to hell. It's that the light of Jesus Christ that's in you begins to reveal the darkness that's in them. Now, over the next few weeks, as we go through this process, I'm going to give you some pointers on how to navigate life. And so for the next few minutes, I want to share with you four things and what you need to do if you want to get away from the culture of this world, even as a believer, and learn to live a life that's pleasing unto God. Number one is this, is that you must be authentic. Now, I don't know about you, but I hate phonies. Okay, I shouldn't have said hate, should I? Okay, I have an intense, great dislike for phonies. Even, you know, when, when I was younger and, and I wasn't as holy as I am now. Anyway, I, I, never was, I never was a good hypocrite. I was either living for God or I was not living for God, and I didn't play a game. You either knew I was saved or I was not saved. I mean, it, there wasn't any fine line with me. See, the word authentic has an interesting root, root if you begin to look at it. The, the word literally means without wax. Now, that sounds interesting. You say, well, what does that mean? Well, back in the day, hundreds of years ago, when, when they would build a piece of furniture, th there were moments that they would find big, big knots in the wood. And what they would do is that they would, they would knock that out, and then they would fill it in with wax, and they would sand over it, and then they would varnish it, and it looked like everything was fine. And they would sell it, and everything would be fine until somebody scooted it up against the fire. And when it got close to the heat, all of a sudden, the heat of the moment melted the wax that was in the hole, and all of a sudden, you found out what it was really made out of. Oh, you, you don't want me to go there, do you? See, there are a lot of Christians who are full of wax. Is that good? That's all right? All uh, right. And in the heat of the moment, when the heat gets turned up, you find out what they're really made of. Come on, we all have imperfections. We all have things we're working on. But what we've got to do is let's quit faking it. Let's be authentic. Let's be real about what's happening and how we're living. Number two is this. If I want to navigate life properly, I've got to serve a cause that is greater than myself. I, I've got to get my eyes off of myself. I mean, a, a self-absorbed person is, is really not much fun to hang out with. Somebody who every other word is I and mine and, and me, and you, you really don't want to spend a long time with those kind of people. 
And, and what's interesting to me and what I've noticed even in this community, I've, I've noticed in the, in the past few years how that different people ha- have begun to live outside of themselves. They've, they've established foundations. They've done things to try to reach in the community. They, they, have, they have been blessed maybe, and they try to give back. Listen, that's what it's all about is that you have been blessed. Don't just look at your life for what you can get. Look at life for how that you can serve something bigger than you. Here's here's what I want to tell you. Nobody gets excited about a small vision or dream. Small things don't motivate anybody. Start dreaming big. Start believing for great things. Start looking at your life and saying, I am not going to settle any longer just for getting up and going to work and working 40 or 50 or 60 or some of you 70 and 80 hours a week and coming home dead tired, lay down and get back up and do it all over again so that I can have a bigger house, a bigger car, a bigger yacht, a bigger this or bigger that. All of a sudden, we need to say, wait a minute, we were on this earth for some something that's greater than that and that is the cause of Jesus Christ and I want to make a difference in somebody else's life amen that's what we're called to do the third thing that if you want to navigate life properly and these are all counterpoints to what I've talked about in the first part of the sermon and and that is number three is we must learn to be generous now, generosity is not about money as much as it is about your heart. We, we always think, when we hear the word generous, we always think money. And I want to tell you, sometimes the most generous thing you can give is not money, it's your time. Sometimes it's easier for you to give a 10 or a 20 than it is for you to give 10 or 20 minutes. I used to use the analogy, I'd rather give you $100 and give you an hour of my time, but I had too many of you asking for that $100 at the end of the sermon. See, we're all that way. We're all busy. We're all running. We got so much to do, and, and the kids are doing this. And, 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 you know, if you got two or three kids and they're in, you know, somebody's doing ballet and somebody else is doing soccer and somebody else is doing this, and, and then, you know, the husband's over here running and the wife's over there running, and, and, and you kind of you pass, right? And, and I understand that there are those seasons of your life, and I, I understand all about that, but I want to tell you, life has to be lived out of generosity. Don't get so caught up in running to and fro seeking whom you may devour that you miss out on living life. Some of, some of you, somebody will tell you later. Anyway, uh, that, that you miss out on living life with generosity. As you are a generous person, you really find that life is more fun. It's more interesting. A lot more pleasure comes back. That's why the Bible says it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. The fourth and final thing is this. We've got to learn to live righteously. Now, now that word righteously has a lot of religiosity to it. it it's, it's one of those religious words, and we all say, oh, I want to live righteously. We kind of say it, you know, we get that preacher voice. Righteously. But the word righteous just means right living. It just means doing what is right. Now, I don't know about you, but there are moments in my life where I don't do what's right. Why did you look shocked? It was like all these eyes went, really? 
There are those moments when people don't do things well on the road. And they get in my way. And I don't know why they can't read. I do not understand why people cannot read the sign that says, slower traffic, keep right. Some of you are guilty. I forgive you. But in the moment, it can be quite distressing for my soul. See, right living, righteousness is just a choice. And you know what? You don't need righteousness, watch, until you need it. No, you missed it. See, if everything's going well, fine. But let something happen that messes with my world. Then I have to make a decision on if I'm going to live right or not. And as we look at this, what we find is, is that all of us have a decision to make daily. The apostle writing said it this way. He said, you're to pick up your cross and to follow Jesus daily. Now, now what does that mean? That, that means that we, we've been given the Bible. Now, the, the Word of God is like a map. Any, any of you remember a map? Come on, anybody remember? Six of you, and you're all as old as me or older. I had somebody was telling me today, and they said they said uh, they took their kids on a on a naval vessel, and they were showing a compass, and they were telling them what a compass was, and and how that they had to use maps, and said so the kids looked at them and said, "Well, don't they have GPS?" <laughs> uh, and isn't that true? I mean, we're we're so he, he, th this is the map, but but let me help you. The Holy Spirit is your GPS. Here's what the Bible says. It says, when he, the spirit of truth, talking about the Holy Spirit, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you in all truth. Now, I have the map, and I know the basic outline, but the Holy Spirit, and we'll talk more about this next week, so come back, but the Holy Spirit enables me to be led daily the direction I need to go. I was a week or so ago pulling into a business place, and and I saw this guy get in his car, and he got, and, and so I thought, well, I'll wait. It's close to the door, and, you know, I dare not get any extra exercise. <laughs> so I, I sit there, and I'm waiting, and, and I'm waiting, and I'm not being blessed. I'm not having a moment of mercy and grace. I'm going, what is this doofus doing? You really don't want to know what's up here. And, uh, and so, I mean, I, I waited, you know, longer than I should have had to wait. And so I finally got ticked and pulled into another parking place. And I got out of my car and I walked by him, and he is sitting there with a map laid out. And I just wanted to say, has nobody told you? There is a new invention. You put in where you want to go, and it will give you turn-by-turn -turn directions. The Word of God is the map, and we need the map. The Holy Spirit is the turn-by-turn -turn directions. 
of our life. The Bible says when Jesus was baptized that the Holy Spirit descended upon him and he went out after being in the, in the wilderness place that he went out in the power of the Holy Spirit. That his life was led by the Holy Spirit. You and I have a choice to make. Are we going to live life to what the culture says? Or are we going to live life to what the map says and what the GPS directs? Jesus Christ lived a sinless, perfect life. And he showed us how much he cared about us. The Bible says that he came to this world not to condemn this world, but that this world through him would be saved. And that his whole purpose of being here was for lost people. So that he could bring them the map and so that he could speak to them on a daily basis and direct their life. And I want you to know today, I don't know where you're at in this journey. You may be like me that you have not been listening at moments to what the Spirit of God is saying. But the great thing is, is that the Spirit of God never gets lost. And wherever you are, He's still with you today. And He is still desiring. Jesus, the Bible says, ever liveth to make intercession for us he came to this earth he died a horrible death he arose again the third day and the bible says he has ascended upon high and sat down at the right hand of the father and he is living right now to intercede on your behalf and on my behalf and so i want to challenge you today let the spirit of god let the word of god be your guide and let god lead you into all truth.